1: Welcome to New Books and Political Science Podcast. My name is Heath Brown, and today I have the pleasure to have Lester Spence, who's the author of Knocking the Hustle Against the Neoliberal Turn in Black Politics, published by Punctum Books, uh, based here in Brooklyn, New York, in 2016. Lester Spence, thank you for coming on the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm
0: chilling, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
1: I know it's a busy time the semester for you, for me, for everyone, but it's such a nice time to um to talk about this book that you recently published. Um I've been looking forward to this and looking forward to talking to you. Why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself?
0: Uh well, I'm a political scientist. I'm um and, I, and I've been interested even before I've been in the academy. I've been interested in kind of the way that power is distributed, not just between uh different racial groups but within different communities within black communities for example right Uh, my my own community and and i've been interested in that you know throughout undergrad throughout grad school and i i we've come incredibly far in the study of black politics um we now know you know we through the work of people like michael dawson Vince Hutchings, Kathy Cohen. uh, We now know that black interests are heterogeneous, right? There is no one black community. There are black communities. uh, And we know that within black communities, there's this thin slice of black folk who have a lot of resources. And then there's this larger uh, slice of black folk who don't have a lot of resources, right? And there's a politics to that. And what I, uh, in writing my first book uh, on hip hop and black politics, the concept of neoliberalism end up becoming an incredibly important uh, dynamic in understanding the content of hip hop, you know, how hip hop is used in different spaces by different political actors. But I realized in doing that, that we needed kind of a nice, neat, quick and dirty book just to talk about the neoliberalization of black politics in general. And then that would in turn help get at that black heterogeneity that I've been interested in basically for all my um, intellectual life.
1: Yeah. And this, you know, you can't think of a better time to talk about this heterogeneous nature of black politics than during an election where that is often forgotten very quickly. So let's start with clarifying, clarifying some terminology. Mm-hmm. What is the hustle uh, that you mentioned in your title? Uh, you suggest it's a term that has changed meaning over time. So tell us more about the hustle.
0: Yeah. So um, if you go back to like the late 60s, early 70s, um
1: when you
0: think about the hustler, right? You, if you think about the hustler, you think basically think about somebody who was running scams, somebody who didn't really want to work, somebody who tried to do everything they could to get out of work, uh, usually doing something kind of quasi legal at best, uh, illegal at most, right? But what we see over the course of a few decades is that term change, change, where the hustler is somebody. Who is not just a, a descriptive phrase used to describe somebody who is consistently working is also kind of, kind of a normative uh, concept that is people are supposed to do that that like we're supposed to kind of have the hustler as the figure we aspire to and that has an incredibly uh, there are a number of incredibly problematic political consequences and economic consequences that come out of that right just if you, if one way to think about it is not not everybody has the capacity to hustle right some people just that's just not how they're made up and if we're distributing resources based on people's capacity to hustle then there's going to be this large group of people who are just totally left out and that's the that's one of the problems
1: the other important term in your book is neoliberalism uh, a term that may be a little bit more familiar but but is uh, uh debated in terms of what it means and and would you offer us your definition your working definition of neoliberalism and and also uh the position that you you place the neoliberal turn historically so when are we talking about when does this governing philosophy of the country take this turn talk to us about neoliberalism
0: okay so uh when i think about neoliberalism i think about it in kind of uh a few different ways so one way i think about it is kind of as a uh, as a class project designed to basically Take resources uh, to concentrate resources among high-income earners and um, and the wealthy. Uh, what we now refer to kind of as the one percent. Uh, I also think of it as a kind of a set of public policies uh, designed to kind of um, uh, like including uh, the, the, a set of public policies designed to kind of reduce the role of the welfare state. And designed to reduce the ability of, of governments at a number of different scales to collect taxes for the purpose of providing social services to the least of these, and uh, a set of public policies that make capital that make it easier for capital to kind of flow right across borders, within this, uh, between states, uh, within a given state, between cities, um, and these policies include everything from Kind of policies that deregulate, that, uh, deregulate different industries, uh, to policies that kind of, um, incentivize, um, uh, municipal leaders to kind of give tax breaks to corporations. Um, so that's, that's one way to think about neoliberalism. And then a third way to think about neoliberalism is just as kind of a set of ideas that make the that may that that seek to transform human beings into entrepreneurs of their own human capital. Right. And that seek to transform a number of different institutions um, outside of the business world into institutions that can function that function uh, according to the standard of the free market.
1: Now, when you place this into the sort of political chronology, you, you sort of link this to a couple of uh uh, political figures, but but talk to us about when, when this turn happens. When is When do you connect the, the rise of these yeah. uh, three definitions and the, these ideas? When when do these uh, what do we take this turn?
0: Uh, I think most local, so if you look at um, a graph uh, that charts inequality from around 1910 uh, or so to now, what you see is it's really, really high around 1929 um, and it's really, really high now, higher than 1929. And then there's this dip in the middle and it starts to go up around, um, you know, so there's this big dip in the middle, you know, the great society stuff, the New Deal stuff, um, civil rights movement stuff. And then it starts to increase again in the late sixties, early seventies. That's around the time most people locate the turn, right? So the turn kind of occurs when, um, in domestically, um, in advanced industrial nations, uh, broadly, when you have a, um, when the economy fails and people and the standard uh, Keynesian type uh, policies people would use to, to problem solve the economy when it fails, reveal themselves to be broken. So in that ideational gap, when economists can no longer turn to Keynesianism because Keynesianism itself is, uh, is shown to be broken because, you know, Keynesianism doesn't really allow for high levels of unemployment and high levels of inflation at the same time. There's this ideational gap in that gap step, uh, steps, uh, uh a group of people we now, pr- who propose what we now think of as neoliberal, um, public policies. And that's the moment the kind of turn takes place. And then I would actually argue that it, that it takes another tenor with the election of Reagan. And then it takes, uh, uh, then it, then it moves even further with the election of Bill Clinton.
1: Now, you argue that this neoliberal turn and the policies associated with it are strongly linked with rising inequality, um, but that this inequality is heightened for the African-American community. Uh, where do you see the strongest evidence of, of this thesis of yours?
0: Oh, that's a really, really, re- really great question. So um, one, way, one way to look at it is just look at um, unemployment figures, right? So when the economy tanks, uh, you have in black communities, unemployment is as high as 30 percent among black men, uh, maybe even higher in places like Detroit, in places like Baltimore. Uh, if you look at um, if you look at the loss of of wealth um, as a uh, that, uh, that comes when the economy tanks, um, that loss of wealth is felt most, um, most uh, severely. So to speak, within Black and Latino communities. Um, and then there are a few other indicators as well, right? If you think about, um, if you think about the cities that Blacks gain political control over kind of after the turn in the 70s, you find that, um, many of the cities that black ga- Blacks gain political control over, they end up being kind of hollow prizes in that these cities are able to give resources to Blacks, uh, Black high income earners, to Blacks who are professionals. And in some cases to black and black middle class, but they largely end up having to uh, the only resource that black poor communities feel uh, or gain is like increased policing. Right. Uh, If you think about welfare and the effect of the repeal repeal of welfare, those effects are broadly felt among uh, those uh, effects are broadly felt by women who are normally, you know, who are single and um, single mothers and poor, but those effects as well are concentrated amongst uh, black women who, who are over, who are, uh, who are disproportionately um, uh, concentrated in the welfare roles. So those are a few of the different ways that you can actually see how the neoliberal turn increases inequality, but then really drastically in, increases it amongst black communities. And then there's another aspect of that, right? Because it's not just that these effects are concentrated uh, in black communities. It's that um these effects in in some ways rely upon black communities being on the bottom. Right? So so one one thing I I, I kind of emphasize in the book is that the turn Uh, occurs in part because the economy tanks, but the nature of the turn, because it it has such uh, horrible effects um, as far as inequality goes, because it increases inequality, the question becomes, you know, how is it that in a democracy, people consistently support these policies, even though there are a number of people who are hurt by them? This is where racial politics play a significant role, where what happens is that in a number of instances, you have uh, black bodies uh, attached to policies that uh, that people desire to be neoliberalized, like welfare, for example, and that ends up generating disdain—the type of disdain that causes the policy to be neoliberalized in the first place. Right. So it's not just that black people end up being on the wrong end and being end up being hurt more. They're the, they're the populations that increasingly end up being used to justify the turn in the first place.
1: Now, one of the most interesting parts of the book focuses on how neoliberalism has transformed black institutions. And this really does take us back to this idea of, of the hustle. I wonder if you'd connect some of these dots for us, how the neoliberal turn that has this, this particular uh, and racialized inequality component of it, is then connected to the transformation of a variety of, of significant, important black institutions. Draw the line through for us.
0: Yeah, so uh, so one way. So uh, you look at black churches, uh, and although it's, it's more complicated than what I'm what I'm kind of articulating here on the podcast, uh, black churches have. There's this moment in the 50s and the 60s uh, where black churches are some of the are the institutions kind of that give black people a language and a set of tactics in order to contest uh racism jim crow jim crow racism and in order to fight for kind of a a a more progressive union right but by the 80s and definitely into the 90s black churches no longer function like that in fact in some ways, they function as exactly the opposite with the growth of and here I'm talking about the growth of uh, and, or we could see this with the growth of the prosperity gospel on the one hand and on the growth of mega churches on the other. Right now, uh, the prosperity gospel basically argues that uh, it's a reading of the Bible that basically transforms the Bible into an entrepreneurial self-help guide. Right. And again, if you think about neoliberalism as transforming institutions and the making them more suitable for the market or making them kind of into businesses in a way right that bible becoming kind of a self-help business guy fits fits well within the neoliberal term so you have people attending these churches uh listening to black pastors basically tell them that the reason they're poor is not because of structural dynamics but it's because they're not prayerful enough because they don't tithe enough right and that significantly transforms the black church into, uh, an institution that basically expropriates what little bla- black wealth there is, as opposed to an institution that's designed in some ways to help black people, und- uh, fight for, uh, fight for creating kind of a more just society, right? So that's one example. Another example we can see, um, as blacks, uh, gain political control of cities like Detroit, uh, cities like Philadelphia, we see black political officials end up making a number of different structural moves on the one hand to, uh, to bring uh, corporations into downtown uh, and these structural transformations usually entail reducing the city's ability to collect taxes. Um, that ends up increasing inequality. But then on the other hand, you also see black political officials Consistently use language castigating the black poor, blaming them for their own circumstances and blaming them for the circumstances of the city as a whole. We definitely see that here in Baltimore. Uh, we saw that in um, Baltimore after the, uh, it, during the Freddie Gray uprising and before that. We saw it in ba- uh, Detroit with uh, Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick. We saw it in Philadelphia with Mayor Michael Nutter.
1: And and this this clearly relates in so many ways to what's happening in Ferguson, Missouri and Chicago and Flint, Michigan. Yes. I wonder if you would assess for us the point where you are at in this this conflict between a certain type of neoliberal policymaking on the one hand and the increasingly or increasingly clear problems in in several uh, major US cities. Take us to today. What is how do, how do you how do you you understand what's going on in a couple of these areas that are getting um, a lot of attention right now?
0: Yeah. So uh, what happens around the time of the neoliberal turn is that uh, is that cities, uh, this ability of cities to get resources from the federal government to provide social services is severely truncated. Uh, and the ability of cities to collect taxes in a number of different ways is also truncated. So this incredible this uh, forces them to become more and more entrepreneurial, right? So I mentioned earlier, you're talking about down- cities turning to downtown development, cities turning to casinos in some cases, like in Baltimore and Detroit, cities turning to, uh, to, uh, re- to building stadiums, often with uh, public money to, to draw tourism, right? Um, and what these dynamics, now there are some cities that can actually do that and function fairly well even though the poor populations within them don't fare as well right but there are cities that simply can't function like that right that just just aren't able to do it and what you have just as if just as with welfare reform welfare ends up making really clear distinctions between people abil- able to work or able to at least try to learn to work and then people uh, who can't uh, what we see is cities are basically divided between cities who have the capacity to be entrepreneurial and cities who can't. And cities who can't end up having to either turn to things like policing to garner revenue um, and or they're uh, often placed under receivership, basically. So what we see in Flint, Flint, Michigan, what we see in Detroit, Michigan, what we saw in Benton, Benton Harbor, in Saginaw, in Pontiac, in Inkster, all small, predominantly Black municipalities in the state of Michigan—they've all been placed basically under uh, emergency financial management because they ha- weren't able to be sufficiently entrepreneurial. And this has all types of problematic effects for how people live. It has all types of problematic political effects, in as much as the citizens in these cities don't have a significant amount of control over uh, over their city because the emergency financial manager does, and he can't, you know, and he basically. Uh, can't be held accountable by citizens. And this has other problematic effects. And all these effects, I think, can be traced back to the neoliberal turn. All these effects are kind of uh, the, the, the consequence of the neoliberal turn.
1: Yeah, the, the book is Knocking the Hustle Against the Neoliberal Turn in Black Politics. The author uh, is Lester Spence. Lester, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. appreciate it.